Life is often so busy, taking us here, there, seemingly everywhere. When you are unable to make it to church, we hope you are fed and nourished by listening to the preaching of God's Word wherever you are at the moment. In the meantime, take care, and God bless. It will come as a huge shock, but I was the baby in the family. I have one brother, John, J-O-N, five years older. I got more toys, and I'm not talking about Tonka trucks. I'm talking about my first motorcycle when I was eight years old, a bigger one when I was 14, a big boy motorcycle when I was 17. My brother John got bicycles. Poor, poor John. Now, I did not run all this by my brother, even though I just spent time with him in North Dakota, because I don't like his side of the story. <laughs> but by nature, I played the part of a pastor's kid a lot better than did my brother. I really didn't try. As a child, I was naturally adept at chatting it up with parishioners. Perhaps it was a foretaste of the feast to come. My brother, it was more of a chore. But even nowadays, however, when we are growing up and old, my brother is a chatty one. I certainly am less so. And lastly, and this was a bummer for me, my brother was always the bright one. I was described as the athletic one, which frankly, with a bunch of Lilliards that are all intelligent, it was a kind way of saying that David Andrew Lilliard can hit the ball really far and he can run really fast. But John has the skills that will serve him both well when he's young and old. But don't worry, I'm totally over it. <laughs> so what about you? If you are not the only child, how did you fit in or how do you fit into the sibling pecking order of import? Are you the golden child? Or should we ask your siblings? Because perhaps the answer is different depending upon who you ask. Are you the one about whom others say, everyone thinks she's so beautiful and he gets everything he wants. She thinks she's so much better than the rest of us. Any of this? Any of this at play? Are you the only one in the room who feels like you got the short end of the stick? And you could be 60 years old and you still feel like you're getting the short end of that stick in the same family. Well, enough about poor me and some of you. There was a guy by the name of Jacob, and he and his wife, Rachel, had 12 sons. In chapter 37 of Genesis, we find out that Jacob loved his son Joseph more than all the other boys. Jacob even gave Joseph a special coat to show everyone that he was his favorite. Nice move, Dad. So did the other brothers notice? Did the other brothers just shake it off and say, Dads will be dads? Well, actually, in verse 4, we find these words, because of this, all of Joseph's brothers hated him. That's what it says in the Bible, hated him. Then again, it's not like Joseph didn't rub some salt in the wounds, for lo and behold, one day while at Starbucks, Joseph says to his bros, I had the coolest dream last night. We're out in a field working when all of a sudden, my hay bales stand up and your hay bales gather around mine and they bow down to mine. Say what? You honestly think you're gonna rule over us someday? Yeah, yeah, I do. 
Now, if that wasn't enough, on another occasion, he comes up and says, I had another dream. Check this one out. Last night, I had a dream where the sun and the moon and the stars all bowed down to me. It was the proverbial straw that broke the brothers' backs. In fact, even dad was chapped about this when he was like, son, just chill. But the brothers thought, all right, we need to get rid of him. And this was long before eBay or Facebook Marketplace, listing obnoxious and entitled brother for sale, free delivery, no returns. They just looked for someone who needed an extra pair of hands. And they sold their very own brother. More about that later. In this morning's gospel, the good and fair question is posed, and then, as Jesus is wont to do, he provides an epic answer. But let's go in order. Peter approaches Jesus and says, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times. Stop. You need to know that Peter thought that he was generous for the Jewish practice of that day was to pardon someone three times, Amos 2, 6, and Job 33, 29. So perhaps, and I always say Peter was one of those he always wanted to be praised, he was expecting Jesus to say, Peter, you are such a gracious dude. But not seven times, but 77 times, and sometimes it says 70 times seven. Now, I wasn't very good at math or English or science or other classes, but I know that 77 or 70 times seven is a lot more than seven. Actually, says Jesus, just make sure you get this, because this is kind of really important. Let me tell you a little story. Life with me in my world, as you live with other people, is supposed to be like this. There was a guy who owed money to someone. It was actually a large sum of money, so much that he couldn't pay. And the overbowered guy pleads for mercy and time and leniency to be granted. And believe it or not, the debt was forgiven in total. How cool and wonderful is that? But, continues Jesus, that same just forgiven man runs across someone who owes him a pittance. Pay me what you owe me, or else, says the man. The indebted man pleads for mercy and time and leniency. Does this sound familiar? Turns out the recently forgiven man throws him in jail until he pays back the debt in full. Are you kidding me, says Jesus? He was just forgiven. Ought not those who receive forgiveness be forgiving? Now that the stage has been set, I have a few thoughts on resentment. Actually, I have three. Point number one, chastity or forgiveness. You are witnessing the unraveling of the tenure of Pastor Lilliard. He's going to talk about chastity. Settle down. C.S. Lewis said, I used to think that chastity was the most unpopular of all Christian virtues. But that not, might not be right. You see, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Chastity or forgiveness? It's a great idea until you have something to forgive. Forgiveness exists when there's insult and criticism, negativity, and anger. My thought, more often than not, that stuff does not bring out the best in us. Let's just be honest about resentment. Let's just be honest that it's not our best time. 
or perhaps it can be our best time. Something to ponder, we can justify our resentment towards others, yet we are perplexed when others resent us. Isn't that amazing? All I did is say this to my sibling. She needs to get over it. And someone does something lesser to you and me, and we carry it to our grave. That's the gospel for the day. It is not about money, honey. It can be. going to be about looks, intelligence, toys when you're young. We expect people to forgive us. But amazing that they expect the same of us. That's what I pondered this week. We all know that all people sin and fall short of the glory of the Lord, even us, especially Lutherans, right? We're fully aware of the fact that people will disappoint and hurt us, and we will disappoint and hurt others too. Mama said there'd be days like these. Mama told me about you, but then we act shocked. In some ways, we all just take turns. Little tale about a scorpion, a stream, and a turtle. Heard this? You're going to hear it again. So a scorpion is going on a little hike, and he wants to get over there, and there's a little stream, and can't swim. And in my story, animals talk. So he comes up and says, I want to get to the other side. Lo and behold, there was a turtle sunning herself, and all of a sudden the scorpion says, Hey, turtle, yes, scorpion, you can swim. Yes, I can. I cannot. True enough. Scorpion says, how about if you give me a ride? Well, wasn't born yesterday. I know about you. I've heard about you. You sting things. That's what you do. Well, salient point. But why in the middle of my journey would I stab and stick you? Because then I would be leading to my own demise. Okay, good. I have smart animals in my story too. He jumps on, it's going well. Halfway across, the scorpion stings the turtle. The turtle says, you promised that you wouldn't do that. And the scorpion says, I am a scorpion. That's who and what I am. My friends in Christ, living with people for 59 years, first as a pastor's kid, now 32 years as a pro, we all take our turn being the scorpion or being the turtle. Some people actually spend more of their lives as scorpions. Some people spend more of their lives as a turtle. Part of that's nature, part of that's nurture. Part of that's why I fell in love with becoming a psychologist and then Jesus took over. But there are scorpions in our midst and they're not always and sometimes they're turtles and we have to just realize that we all take our turns. It's not just an innocent and irrelevant fable. It's about us. Quick question, this is a sermon about resentment. Why is point number one all about forgiveness? I like to think, I read you, you're like, where's Lilliard going with this? Well, here's my quick answer, gotcha. If we forgive, resentment never comes into play. If you and I take care of our bodies, 
we're in better place when things come our way. If you're a golfer and there's a bad wind, it doesn't make you a bad golfer. It makes you a worse golfer. It just accentuates your weaknesses. The same in a marriage, the same in a family, the same with a student, the same with a disciple. Point number two, resentment and arthritis. Oh my, oh the mind of Lilliard, oh settle down. Barbara Brown Taylor, one of my favorite, resentment is arthritis of the spirit. Look at that. Hmm? Some of the older people are like, I have arthritis. I know this. Well, the young people, you don't have arthritis? Well, it comes. It's coming unto my life. Arthritis is really painful. Yes? Can I hear an amen? Amen. It is debilitating. Amen? Amen. When at full force, it is all-consuming. Amen? It's hard to focus on anything that is good and right. Amen? When you're ravaged by arthritis, it is all-consuming. It's all you think about. It can be the lens through which you look. Here's what I'm saying. It's much like resentment. If you take the word resentment and you supplant it and you replace it with arthritis, it still works. I have been around people who are 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, and they have arthritis of the spirit because they are just ticked at virtually everything. And they are bitter. And they don't even think about getting better. The allure of resentment is that it feels and tastes good, parenthetical like McDonald's. Yet when all the dust settles, all resentment really does is make a situation much worse. I'm probably going to get sued by McDonald's, but that's okay. But on Thursday when I was going to North Dakota, I realized a long drive. I can't do it on an empty stomach. I ended up over in the quadrant, which is by McDonald's. So I went and I had breakfast. Cheryl Heaney and her daughter and her husband were there. She can attest to this. This is all true, so I can't be litigated. And I had two breakfast sandwiches, not with egg, because that's healthy. (laughs) And I had some questionable coffee, and I ate it. And right about Clearwater, I regretted my decision. (laughs) But I pressed on. And then I needed gas in my gas tank. And then I stopped at a place, and I walked in, and it had a McDonald's in it, which to me was a sign from God. (laughs) I could have stopped at a lot of places, but this had the golden arches, so I had lunch because... It makes sense, it is efficient, it is effective. And so I I had another meal at McDonald's and about four o'clock I was feeling like not at my best. And at night I thought about treating my dad and his wife to McDonald's, but I thought, why push it? But when you eat it, it tastes good, yes? That's why they sell so much. But it can feel satisfying to hold a grudge to make someone pay. In my personal life, there are people 
who have done wrong by me. And I'll be very transparent. I told you, I always, always tell the truth. I'm called to love all 7,000 of you. And I do. And some people say things about me or to me, and I'm called to love them. And so I know in my personal life when people assail me or if people assail our children, I know it can be satisfying to hold a grudge and to make someone pay, to exact revenge, to even the score. We like those spaghetti westerns. In the end, when the evil person gets their due in karma and there's a victor and there's part of us that wants life to be that way, but life isn't that way, especially to a Christian to give someone a taste of their own medicine, right? Your sibling had this wonderful carpet ride through his or her life, and boy, if I can just, and I won't make it happen, but if it happens, there'll be part of it that will taste and feel good. Am I the only one in the room? But, words to live by, not forgiving someone is like drinking rat poison and then waiting for the rat to die. It's graphic because actually not forgiving someone takes our life away. Not forgiving someone takes away their life too. That's why Jesus talked about not counting to three or seven. The truth about Keith and Ron and Corky and me. Oh, story after story. I've told you before that I lived with my grandmother for a couple years and I had a couple bullies and one of them, his first name is Keith and the other is Ron and the other is Corky. I was thinking this week that I can't believe that my life was pathetic to that point that I let someone by the name of Corky best me. But I digress. And so for those years, these three assailed me and I've been doing resentment work and I know that I've started earlier than you, but I'm gonna encourage you at the end to do the same, that for many years, my failures or my general malaise or my just unsettled nature about life, it was a fault of these three guys. And if I could just somehow make them feel like I felt, if I could only even the score, if only I could go and I could tell them, I could tell them of my pain, I could tell them about the therapy, I could tell them about how this was not just one little thing, but this was an ultimate thing that made me feel bad. And then I played it out finally when I matured a little bit and I thought, well, I go up and I see Keith and I see Ron and I see Corky and they're like, hey, David, how are you? And I'm thinking, you're not even feeling bad about what you did to me which makes me feel worse. Or if B, they look at me and say, I was hoping to find you and I felt bad forever and I thought, well, why did I carry this so long? I don't need to see them again to have a funeral for the things because you know what? I was in sixth grade and now I'm almost 60. Come on, Lilliard. Seriously? They did not know what they were doing. And even if they did, they were doing the wrong thing. And sometimes you're the scorpion, and sometimes you're the turtle. 
You picking up what I'm laying down? Point number three. I will, but first. Parents, if someone else jumped off a bridge, would you? You ever said that to a child? Well, here's the answer. It depends upon how old and which child. Because <laughs> some of them like, yep, actually I was a leader. Or I saw what happened to the first and I still went, really? Here's how big people often think. I'll forgive that person when that person apologizes. Waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for that person to get a clue. Maybe if I just act miserable enough and I knock on the door enough, like the text in the Bible, that finally they're just going to answer the door and they're going to finally apologize. Well, what if that person never apologizes? Do we really want our thoughts and our emotions and lives to be dictated by someone else? I know you said that you're sorry, but I feel like you didn't mean it. How many times have we looked at our children? I don't think you sounded sincere. Try that again. Okay, I'll put a little more inflection this time. No matter how sincere an apology is, words are only the starting line to an often long and winding road that finally ends with forgiveness. I still want someone to quote me. And so I keep on coming up with them. But when someone says they're sorry, you're not done. The work begins, but you might not get a sorry. And I feel sorry for us if we need it because then we make it all on them. I've always believed that the punishment should fit the crime. You know, like the good book says, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. An eye for an eye only leads to more blindness, says Margaret. It's amazing when you do some family systems work that I did. It's amazing how pervasive this is. You get them in a room and everybody says, you know what, I say this because she said this. And you go back and you go back and you go back and everyone in that room is metaphorically blind. There's a different and better way. Joseph forgave his brothers on the spot. No questions asked. There was not an apology, just forgiveness. I, uh, as I grow older, I, I decided to get a Bible that has big enough print so I can, I can read it. So I, I got the biggest Bible ever and I still have to put my glasses on. And now it's heavy, so I, I almost need someone to hold it for me. But So remember the Joseph thing and actually, I am going to go full circle. So they sold Joe, remember that? Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all those who stood before him, and he cried out, Send everyone away from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him. So dismayed were they at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come closer to me. And they came closer. He said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do you not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here? For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are five more years in which there will neither be plowing nor harvest. 
God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant of earth and to keep you alive for you and many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all of his house and ruler of all of Egypt. Hurry up and go to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children, as well as your flocks, your herd and all that you have. I will provide for you there since there are five more years of famine to come so that you and your household and all that you have will not come to poverty. You see how that could have turned out differently? You see how that could have come out differently? And you're saying, well, the thing is, is that God called Joseph. And what I'm saying is, Jesus calls us to the same thing. These are not stories to us. They're stories about us. And think of how it could have happened differently if Joseph did not do as God wanted. Prodigal son, Peter was forgiven by Jesus after denying him three times. The youngest son goes up and asks for inheritance. Number one, it's rude to ask for an inheritance when your parents are still alive. It is a conversation stopper. Number two, in that day, the youngest had no right to that. He gets it. He goes off to Vegas, dissolute living because it's a church service, and he comes back and he says, I'm sorry, and the father says, let's have a party. Peter, I will not deny you, I will not deny you, I will not deny you. He did, did, did. And when Jesus picked the leader of the church, who did he pick? I even had better credibility to lead a church than he did. And Jesus says, I forgive you. Paul was forgiven by God for persecuting the church and believers. He became an apostle. Paul later wrote 13 books in the New Testament. Part A of his life is that he led to the killing of people who believed in Christ. And Jesus said, I can make you on the other team. I write sermons. Paul wrote 13 books in the New Testament. The first part of his life was trash. But Jesus does what he asks us to do. While hanging on a cross to die for our sins, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. My guess is he probably also meant, and there are those who know what they're doing, and I forgive them too. Because does it matter? Forgiveness is giving up all hope of having had a better past. And you can either practice being right or practice being kind. I kind of had a little Anne Lamott party this week. She is crusty. She is great. She is hard. She is soft. And these two things, I think, are great nuggets. Forgiveness is giving up all hope of having had a better past. You can either practice being right or practice being kind. So when I went out to see my dad, he's 89, and I heard he's failing, and reports are true. 
And then I spent time with him and his wife, and then I sat with him, and he can't hear, he can't really talk and have conversations, so I thought about that. I was with my brother, and it was kind of epiphanal. And then I was doing all this work, and I try to preach first to myself and about myself, and then I welcome you in, and I hope it relates to you. But actually, I think this resentment, I actually think it's at the end, but I think it's probably the most important. Because you know what? Before you know it, here we are. Next thing you know, I did a Facebook thing. You can go back. It's a country song. Don't worry. There's wisdom in country. The next thing you know, your kids are here. The next thing you know, they're here. The next thing you know, they're married. The next thing you know, you can't have much of a say because they have children of their own, and then they move away, or then you get old. The next thing you know, I have a running start on you, or at least a walking start, because I've been thinking and praying about this, and then I went out to North Dakota, and I discovered some things. When your life is still supple, when you can still be clear, when you can still make amends, when you can still make the right decision based upon what you know is that we are forgiven, we are to be forgiving, we are met with mercy, we are to be merciful, think about the people this week that you have resentment toward and then you put your house in order you can wait till later you can wait till later when you can't have the conversation or you can do the work and we say here that you don't come by faith because we're Lutherans. We can't save ourselves. But here is at least where my psychology degree leans in. There are things which we can control more of, and that is how we think and how we feel towards others. This week I thought about the people with whom I have resentment, and I strove with the help of God to mark them off. My diet still stinks. But I feel better. I lightened my load. I lopped it off. Because I no longer need to carry that stuff. And I think for a multitude of reasons, I think Jesus knew that when he talked about forgiveness. They know or they don't know. They care or they don't care. We carry it. And it makes us heavy. It makes us sluggish. It clogs our veins. It makes us feel not good. And now I'm talking about forgiveness. This is work we're called to do. And when you and I forgive, and when we say, you had a scorpion moment, let me be the turtle and then it will reverse. But the great thing about Jesus is that Jesus always forgives us, so we have the room, space, and bandwidth to do the same. So when you leave out these doors with little circles, there's one with resentment. Go ahead and stomp on it. Go home this week, make your list. And then, by the grace of God, the help of God, mark them off your list. And then you will feel lighter, even though, literally, 
we might not be, depending upon where we dine. I'm supposed to say here ends the series, but maybe it's not the end. We have work to do. So help us God. Amen. You think about how you will live out your faith each day. If you would like to support the ministries at St. Andrew Lutheran Church, you can do so by having your credit card information available and then texting a gift to 952-260-9007. Thank you and God bless.